0: All right. We have a great episode of Side Retired, the MLB podcast. It's Dylan and Nico, as always. And we've got a great guest joining us on today's episode. If you listen to our recent interview with Paul Severino, you're going to know who's hopping on with us today. But Nico, let's hit the intro music and we'll get right into this. Hello and welcome to this edition of Side Retired, the MLB podcast. It's Dylan and Nico. And Nico, I know you've complained in the past about me bringing on way too many New Yorkers onto this podcast. So we had Paul Severino join us a couple of weeks ago and now very special guest if you'd like to give an introduction, Nico.
1: Yes, um, the play-by-play guy, the radio announcer for the Marlins this year has been Announcing for them for the last eleven years, doing the play-by-play, also does some stuff for University of Miami. So definitely been hearing him a lot over my childhood. It's Kyle Siloff, How are you doing today?
2: Uh, I'm good. Now I hate to break the news to you, I'm also a New Yorker.
1: Oh, that's
2: oh, cool. uh, I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's
1: terrible. <laughs> this <laughs> is <a> really good <laughs> day. Of course, that you're in Miami now.
2: <laughs> yes, I've been down here. It's actually crazy. I just turned 33 in September. I've actually I grew, I was born in Orlando, but I grew up in New York my entire life. But I've actually now spent more than half my life in Florida. So yeah, I guess you I guess you could say I'm a Floridian, but I did. I spent my back entire back. childhood elementary all the way through high school and then parts of college in New York. So I'm sorry. I hate to burst that bubble. but well,
0: I have to ask. This all oh, that is true. all about what the you ask? Ask.
2: Is all it a about the you, fan?
0: a Mets fan? Or technically, now you've just grown into the Marlins culture.
2: I, you know what's crazy? Uh, I'm going to show you guys something on my phone here. Uh, this is not good podcasting to start, <laughs> but people, people, people don't believe me when I show them this. I'm going to find this for you. So I was born in Orlando and I lived there till I was four years old. But I come from a family of New Yorkers. My dad's side grew up in Long Island. He did as well, and so I grew up a uh, a, a really big Mets fan. Like that's how I um, was kind of like into baseball. <laughs> Now, I got to find this. Here we go. Here we go. Here's the first picture for you guys. That's me and my sister. What do I have on there?
1: <laughs> He's rocking hey, the man. Marlins jersey. Mar- it's <laughs> phenomenal.
2: That's the old Marlins teal pinstripes. That was in <laughs> New <laughs> York. I really, I loved the Marlins when, when I grew up. And obviously, I moved to New York. I was like, well, I guess I got to forget about them. But uh, yeah. Oh, here's one more.
1: Wow. <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs> See? A Marlin at heart. Exactly.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love it. But sort of basically take us through that journey of what was it like at the beginning of your career, obviously growing up a huge baseball guy of, hey, I like the Marlins, hey, I like the Mets, but was it in college that you really decided, okay, broadcasting is going to be my place? Or at what point did that sort of click that we were discussing before the podcast of what Aniko and I want to do? Not really sure, but how did you figure that broadcasting is what you want to do?
2: Yeah, you know, it's funny. I grew up playing sports and I've always loved sports. Um, I remember when I was like, Gosh, it must have been like ninth or tenth grade in high school. Um, and I played a little football, basketball, baseball. Baseball was my sport. I would, I was pretty good at it, actually. And I played two years in college before I transferred to the University of Miami. Um, but I always had a passion for the broadcasting. So all my all, me and all my friends, we would go help like referee like pee-wee football and do the yardage markers and the sticks. I always wanted to go to the press box and do the PA. So here's like 14 year old me, you know, with, with the, the 10 to 12 year old kids playing football. The parents probably just like, God bless, let's just get home. And I'm hollering in the press box over the PA system <laughs> like I'm John Madden and Al Michaels on Monday Night Football. You know, I'm telling these kids they're down to the 30, down to the 20 and the 10. You know, I was going nuts. So I always had like a bit of a passion for it. But I vividly remember my mom telling me one day she was like, hey, like, why don't you con- continue to like try to do it? I was like, "Why well, I mean, I guess how do you do that? I don't I'll I'll try. So I I I guess as I went more through high school, I, I people asked me this. I guess I guess I always just kind of wanted to do it. I don't remember when I was like, that's what I want. Um until I'm until I went to community college in Rochester, New York. And I when I went there, and again, it's hard for me to remember when I finally turned it on. I was like, there's no plan B. This is what I'm going to do. But I went into the communications program, got my associate's degree. And I remember the first year that I was in community college right out of high school, they had like a communications program. It was like student TV station. Um, and I remember doing some basketball games um, and I got hurt my sophomore year and I couldn't play. So I remember I was like, I still want to be with the team. I want to go on like the spring break trip and, you know, room with like seven other guys on a little crappy hotel room somewhere. This would be fun but I ended up getting them to buy me like a a two- or 3G hotspot, and I was broadcasting the games from like a lawn chair in center field for my college team, took a camera with me, the whole nine yards – Long story short, one thing led to another. I loved the University of Miami growing up. I loved the Canes. I applied there once I got my act together in community college, went to the university, did student TV, man, did student radio, always had a passion for baseball. So I did Canes baseball on the student radio station, Um, and I'll make this as quick as I can. My sports director at the time, Chris Whittingham, who was with the Dan Levitard show. He does Apple MLS stuff now. I don't know if you guys know him. He was my sports director. He was a year younger than me. I graduated in December of 2012. He had tipped me off. He was like, hey, I think the Marlins have an internship um, for the broadcast department. I think they're looking to hire somebody to do the pregame show. And I'm thinking, I'm 21 years old. Who on God's green earth is putting me on the air?" (laughs) Okay, I'll put in a resume. Long story short, I end up getting the internship. They put me on. I uh, did a pregame show for the first time in my life in the big leagues in April of 2013, opening day against the Washington Nationals. I'll never forget it. it was either Henderson Alvarez or like Ricky Nolasco started. Um, that was obviously also the Jose year, which was insane. Nico, I know that'll register with, you know, many folks yeah. that grew up liking the Marlins. But uh, but I've been there since 2013. And for 10 seasons, I did the pregame show, um, select postgame shows and select games doing play-by-play and This past year, um, on my break, man, it was my first year as the lead voice in the play-by-play on the Marlins Radio Network. It was a dream come true. I love baseball. I don't have a plan B. If for some reason one day they're like, see you later, I have no (laughs) idea what I'm doing, so I'm going to ride this out as long as I possibly can.
1: No, absolutely, and that sounds like the dream. Again, doing what you want to do. and Again, no plan B, I think, is the best best way to go about it. I mean, fully committed. Just fully commit to whatever you're going to do. How's the I tell people play? that all the time, by the way. Sorry. <laughs> I tell people that all the time. You're people are that. always like,
2: how do you get into it? I tell them all the time. Because I, I, I feel like you go through college and stuff sometimes. They're like, you know, have options, right? Figure out what you want to do. Okay. I say figure out what you want to do. And don't have a plan B. Literally go to the freaking depths of hell to <laughs> execute plan A. Just if don't have it. Like, just because it didn't work out once or twice, don't just give up on it. Keep trying until you literally cannot anymore and then figure something else out. But not having a plan B, I always tell people, it's all right. Just go chase after what you want.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's something that I've seen like a lot of people that I know, like a couple friends older than me because my brother's a little bit older, like I've done that. And they've just been like coming out of baseball. They've been, I'm just going to commit to seeing where I can do a baseball and like the places that they've been able to go because they've just committed to it It is amazing. One of my friends, he actually, he was gonna move to the dr because he was gonna go work with the marlins facility that they have in the dr wow. and he had, and he had the job and it was because he went out of college after playing division one baseball he's like i still feel like i have a future in this and he just committed to like because he knew a lot about baseball like how pitching worked and he was able to get like a lot of offers because he just went head on trying to do yeah. it. yeah
2: give it a shot roll the dice
1: yeah absolutely how's the play-by-play again the contrast because that's one of the things we asked um Paul Severino, when he was talking about broadcasting, what's it about radio play by play that makes it different from like what we see on TV kind of what Paul does what are like the differences and similarities?
2: Yeah, I would say it's a really good question and I would start really big picture on the radio side, it's three of you in a booth and that's all you have on the TV side, you've got a dozen camera operators, you've got fifteen people in the truck, you've got a statistician, you've got your analyst, you've got yourself, you've got a headset on. People are in your ear. The differences, massive, massive, massive differences. And each are just incredible to me in their own aspect. Like, it's amazing to me that Paul can sit there and broadcast a game (laughs) knowing how much that goes into it, right? Somebody's in his ear. Hey, we're going to shoot to this. We're going to shoot to this. Make sure you get this in. Let's talk about this. The difference in radio is it's just us. And we have that flexibility to just it's just it's it, it it's our show there's not 35 people working on it to execute it to get it on the air we connect via an ip address to a radio station and as long as those <laughs> microphones turn on and they're working we're going right there i, I don't have somebody that sits next to me to kind of feed me notes or anything of, of that nature because that's that's in tv right that's basketball that's football There's statisticians and you know they're there to facilitate and help. What we're going to do? Here's where we're going to go. Here's what we're doing next. Because you're hearing all that stuff, radio. It's uh, that's to me what I love about it. Um, you know, and radio might not be nearly as sexy as TV, but for me, radio's like the girl that'll always be there for you. Right? <laughs> it's not the new hot sexy one, but she'll always probably be there. You know, until, in case she finally gets sick of you. But like, we're just there, man. We would like to do our thing. We love to be in people's homes every night and. Here's what you're going to get. We're going to talk about the game and you can't see us and we can't see you, but uh, we're going to try to make it fun for you seven months out of the year.
0: No, I love it. Especially as a New Yorker, I've grown familiar with how he rose on the radio for the last 20 years. I know you grew up kind of a Mets fan, so you kind no, of massive, remember that yeah, name, when but... I grew
2: up, that. that's what I had. That There was a local radio station in Ithaca, New York. I grew up in Ithaca and they had, uh, <clears throat> they had an affiliate. And at nighttime, it, this sounds insane. I don't even know if you guys would even register this. I had an old transistor radio. Please keep in mind, I'm 33. I'm not 73. But <laughs> on like a really clear night, if I turned my radio on before I went to bed, and I would point it out the screen in my window, if it was a clear night, I could get the signal. That's a, that's what I grew up listening to when I was going to bed. Again, 33, not 73. <laughs> it wasn't that long ago, but that's how I grew up listening to games. So I, you, you fall in love with the people in the team and its ability to bond families together. That to me, that's more baseball in general, dude. That's why, that's why I love it. And it's a sport that your day might've been great. It might've been awful, but you know what? I got a ball game to listen or watch tonight. So that's, that's what I love about the game, man.
0: I love it. Absolutely. And then was there someone growing up, whether it was growing up or when you're in college, or even when you're doing the pregame show, that there was a guy that you sort of listened to maybe modeled your craft after, or are you a completely separate new game? learned your style of broadcast and that's what you go with.
2: Yeah. I don't think anybody just like does their own thing because you have to develop like a passion from somewhere. And generally that passion, like subconsciously, I'm sure if you listen to my work, I would hope you hear a lot of like Gary Cohen, Keith Hernandez, Ron Darling, um, Josh Lewin, Howie Rose, those were all Mets people, right? That's who I listened to growing up. And I'm sure some of that has seeped in even, it, I, I don't even know this, but my Ability to describe a ground ball. It might sound similar to those guys. And I don't even realize <laughs> it because that's what I heard thousands of times over and over and over again, growing up. So I would say just like those guys in general, and it's surreal now to see them sitting next door to me. It's still like, <laughs> I don't belong here. That's the way I feel about it. And I'm just so super grateful, but I, I don't know if any broadcaster just creates their own thing, right? Like Vince Scully had to learn from somebody, you know, they all they all learn from somebody. They all listen to something or somebody growing up that kind of develop the way that they become as a broadcaster. So I would say probably those guys in New York, just because that's all I had. And I tell people that all the time. They're like, how could you be a Mets fan? <laughs> and I tell people this. That's all I had growing up. And it's what my family loved. That connected me to my father, to my grandfather. I would call my grandpa every night. I would force my dad to sit down and watch the games with me because that, to me, is what I had to bond with, right? That's all I wanted to do. I would I would hang up on my friends to watch baseball. That's all I wanted to do. It's what develops connections with family. So I tell people all the time, it's okay, but I love the game. And I feel like I'm in my position now because of what my childhood was like, right? So, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things I loved about radio when like I would listen to it in the car, especially like back then, like when I was little, because now it seems like wherever you are, you can watch the game. But before when you can only do it through radio is that I almost liked radio is almost like into like reading a book, meaning that I had the words. I didn't really have any pictures. Like, again, when you're watching TV, you can watch it. But again, when you're doing radio and you're listening to it, you're almost making it and you're having the guy who's doing the play by play just build the story for you and build the image in your head how is that for you when you're going and making radio and it's like okay i'm gonna make this as vivid as possible for the person listening because they can't watch the game
2: yeah it's a really good question and i think you know I, i still tell myself all the time like I'm nowhere near like the broadcaster I want to be. I hope I'm still doing this for the Miami Marlins in 35 years. And people will look back and be like, holy cow, listen to him when he was younger <laughs> compared to what he's doing now. But, like, you know, I, I I hope that. I seriously, I don't, I don't want to be anywhere else. Like, this is awesome. This has become home for me. The, the, the ability that some of these other broadcasters have to describe what you're saying still fascinates me. And I do my best to listen to all of them. The one thing that I still tell myself, and I feel feel like I'm very young and I can grow and I can learn more and and I am passionate and it's not fake. I just love the guys, love the coaching staff. I love the manager. I think that's a lot where the passion comes for and the organization that's given me an opportunity. So why, if you're gonna pay me to do this job, why wouldn't I give you everything I have, right? Like, what the heck? But the one thing I still tell myself in terms of that vivid description and the ability to really broadcast and bring that to life, I still might still tell myself, Keep it simple, because as soon as I try to get cute and I start trying to be a little bit, you know, more fancy than it should be, I'm going to lose you because I'm going to start screwing up because the fans, if you're listening, especially baseball on the radio. I always thinking of like just like a it's like an older man sitting in his rocking chair, having a beer on his back patio. People we're we're just there for people. What people want to know, what's the score? What inning is it? What's going on? What's kind of happened? You know, sometimes people will hear the story time. But in baseball in general, especially on the radio, people are not always locked in. You're in and out of your car, right? You've been to the grocery store. You were gone for 10 minutes. What do you want to know when you get back in? What inning we in? What's the score? Was there a rally? Did they blow it? So for me, at this point in my career, because I still feel like there's so much more I can do and I can get better, I just keep it simple. And I want everybody at home to just know what's going on. And I hope that 15, 20 years from now, I will develop and I'll grow into like, man, boy. how does he do that? Because that's how I feel about all my other peers. Gosh, their ability to describe it is incredible. I hope I do a good job now of describing it. But I still tell myself after my first year, keep it simple. For the listener at home, I want them to enjoy it. I want them to know what's going on. I want them to feel my passion. But more importantly, I want them to know what is going on in the game.
0: Absolutely. So then is the approach a little bit different when you're doing like a Marlins game on radio versus doing like a college basketball game or a college baseball game where it's probably a different audience? It's a different medium and all that sort of stuff.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Because on TV, you don't need to be as descriptive because you're watching it. You're literally watching it. And I find some of the best broadcasters on TV, uh, uh, Dan Schulman, right, doing college basketball. I'm just thinking about, you know, Dan, Dan and Jay Billis do their thing like they're not always talking. But boy, they talk at the right moments and they're descriptive and their ability to tell me what's going on in the right moments. I don't need to tell you that we're across the timeline and the ball is moving right and left in the paint back out, now down low. You're watching it. You'd be like, yo, dude, like <laughs> I see what's going right. Yeah, I, I got you. Thank you. But I I I I see what's going on here. Um, so in that regard, it's way different. Obviously, if you're doing basketball on the radio. If you're not telling people where the ball is on the court, they're like, hey, any time now, right? Just let us know. If you <laughs> want to let us know at some point what's going on, feel free.
1: Yeah, and obviously this year was kind of an entertaining year. It was actually a great first year to do play-by-play because yeah, again, a lot of years, the Marlins are kind of like ebb and flow from really bad to above average. <laughs> that's kind of what they've been for the last decade in yeah. 2020. And this year they had the playoff runs. How is it doing a playoff run in your first year, being able to go and see it like a successful team doing playback, as opposed to like before when you were kind of commentating on more subpar teams.
2: Yeah. You're, you're, you're trying to beat around the bush there, Nico. It's okay. <laughs> they just weren't good enough. A dream come true for me because there's no two ways about it, especially on radio. People will tune in, especially late in the year if the team is playing well. Like, if you look at our listenership when you're 62 and 100 as compared to 14 over, there's a drastic difference. Now, there's a lot that we can do on our end to try to entertain people and get people to listen. But the bottom line is a lot of our listenership is going to come from how the team is doing. And that you that there, there's no sugarcoating that. I promise you, if we're two games out of the wild card in September, you are more likely to listen to me at nighttime and my broadcast partners as opposed to being 16 games out and no hope, right? Like that's just that, that's sports in general. That's, that's being a fan. You get ticked off when they're not good. You don't want to watch. You don't want to listen. Cause you're ticked off. If they're playing well, you're locked in. 10 minutes before the game starts, you're watching TV. You want to see the end of the pregame show. You want to see the starting lineups, the lineup card exchange, you know, in that regard, it was a dream come true season for me because people were tuned into what we were doing and it, I'd like to think it's some of it's us, but it's the team. It's those players. People are tuning in. They're listening because they want to know, are they going to win again? Are they going to have another incredible comeback in the seventh, eighth, and the ninth inning? That's why people are listening. So, you know, it's no secret. Teams are really good. People are going to listen. They're going to love your stuff. They're going to love what you're doing. If they're not, they're going to tune it out a little bit. But um, dream come true season for me.
0: Absolutely. So then boots on the ground or boots on the moon, whatever the phrase is, but What is the vibe of the team right now? Because it's been an interesting offseason, to say the least. I think the Kimming firing base or departure basically had everyone a bit confused. And then Peter Bendix is now the new head. And I think everyone is applauding that decision. And Sandy's out for the year. So there's a lot of interesting stuff going into 2024.
2: I think interesting is a really good way to put it. Um, And I think another probably really good way to put it would be who knows? Right. Like <laughs> it's it's um I don't Maybe I don't I don't know the exact word I'm uh, I'm, I'm trying to look for. But there, there's there's a lot hanging in the balance. I love the Peter Bendix hire, by the way. Um, Kim Eng was great. She was great. That's business. I tell people like there might not be a whole lot more to the story other than it's just business. And if people don't see eye to eye on something, it's OK. And people part ways. And that's OK. It's not the end of the world everybody's going to be okay. Kim did a great job. She should be applauded for that. And now Peter Bendix has an opportunity to come to Miami and make his mark after he was in a place for 20 years that's very similar to Miami. And they were just rolling with an opportunity to compete for a World Series every year. It's going to take a little time. And when I say that, it does not mean they're going to be uncompetitive. But if you look at what the Tampa Bay Rays have done for years, especially when they started way back when, what did they do? They drafted extremely well. And once you draft really well for four or five years and those guys get to the big leagues after six or seven, those guys in that first draft class, you might not have the capital to sign them long term. But what they do, they trade them. You make tough decisions. You trade your star player with just enough team control left to get a couple of awesome studs back. Then they crank those guys out into the big leagues and they started to roll over there in Tampa Bay. That's what excites me. Is it going to happen in year one? No. But look three or four years from now, they're going to keep a competitive team on the field then that farm systems in the top five, the top 10, you can trade guys, you make tough decisions, but you got young kids coming up. That's the side of the game. I love. And I totally get from a fan's perspective. I don't care about AAA, double a AA, single. A. I don't care about those prospects. All I want to see is that team winning right now. <laughs> There's a lot more that goes into it. And I'm totally understanding of that because a lot of people don't care what A Jacksonville is doing. No, they'll care about what a guy's doing when he gets to the big leagues. Um, <laughs> But, you know, that, that that's all part of it. I am just uber excited to see what this team can do this year um, and what moves Peter's going to make because he comes from a place where, I mean this in a good way, they constantly made unpopular decisions where they were proven to be right all the time. Why would you trade him? Well, they would trade him. They'd get three or four guys back, and bang, those guys would be in the big leagues. And then after four and a half years, they'd trade him. <laughs> dude they just rolled man they rolled they knew what they were doing and that has proven to stand the test of time and that's what's coming to miami peter needs some time but he's gonna do it
1: yeah i think you put it perfectly what like the raise mo was like that like it'd be trades and it'd be like it's just what the rays do and then like it got to a point where you just expected them like even if you didn't like to trade for them to be right it would just be like okay yeah he made this trade doesn't look good on paper, but again, three years down the line, like you said, three seasons, be like, wow, they raised me in right. another move. It just seemed like why it did they
2: trade Chris Archer. Look what they got back there. Whoops, yeah. <laughs> you know, people hated it at the time. You trade him, and you get back some studs. They did it. They just did it all the time.
1: Yeah. How do you like Marlins Park? I know you're a radio guy, but I'm assuming Miami. You've been there a couple of times. I, I get mixed reactions. I have people. I'm one of the guys who kind of likes it. I think it's a beautiful park, but some people in Miami. Not big fans of it. What do you think of Marlins Park? Well, Lone Depot. Depot.
2: There you go. Excuse me. Watch it, Nico. (laughs) Um, Now, you grew up in the Marlins Park era. As you get a little bit older now, we've transitioned to Lone Depot Park. (laughs) I love it. It's a comfortable ballpark. There's great sight lines. You walk around the place. Good food. Affordable. That's my
1: big thing. I think (laughs) I've been been to, like, thankfully, like, because of, like, family vacations, like, me, my pops, and my brother started, like, we want to try and get all, like, 30 stadiums one thing I can say, and maybe it's cause I'm Cuban and like, I'm just like, I like Latin food, but <laughs> Miami is still the best food for me. I love Miami food,
2: good food, good ballpark, easy to get in and out of like, once you like you get out of your car. And I know there's some issues getting to the ballpark at surface street. That's not easy to get to, but you get the car park, you get in, it's easy to walk around big venue, but you know, you're on top of the action facility is great. Still new. I mean, Goodness! Probably given another ten years, somebody would be saying it's the oldest ballpark in the league. The way these things, <laughs> you know, blossom. But um, just a great ballpark to me. I, I I love it. It's comfortable. The broadcast booth is unbelievable. Spacious. It's really big. We just hang out, man. We have a good time. Uh, there's no place like home. And uh, you know, I'm 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 glad home for me is Lone Depot Park because I love going there and hanging out, dude. It's great.
0: I love it. So then, your favorite memory, and this might be a tough question, but your favorite memory in your decade with the Marlins would be.
2: Well, I think about the no-hitters. I remember, like, 2013, my first year, the wild way the season ended. Henderson Alvarez is no-hitter. They had to walk it off in the bottom of the ninth or tenth, Stanton on a wild pitch or a (laughs) pass ball. Edison Volquez is no-hitter. Hard not to think about Jose and some of the special games that he pitched there. Oh, God, this past year was incredible with all the walk-offs. I guess that's a little recency bias. Well, I'd really have to – I mean, the all-star year was really fun can't think of – there's not immediately one moment, unless I'm totally blanking on something, where I was like, wow, how did do, how do that – I don't know. Do you guys know one? Is there one that comes to your mind?
1: I mean, Henderson was the first one that came to my mind. Maybe Stanton's MVP season, just that whole season. Where, yeah, yeah that's, that's good. That's a good one. Yeah. The big one to me was the Henderson-Alvarez. I remember that. That was a, a – I watched that, like, whole game. I think I came in from, like, the second inning. Right, and, and here's just, a fun fact about that game. Do you remember? So that was against the Detroit Tigers. Jim
2: Leland. They were going to the playoffs. Do you remember who nearly had the lone hit on a line drive hit foul down the opposite field to the opposite field down the right field line?
1: Trying to think of their team to see if there's anything that. I mean, if there's a Marlins connection, it would be Miggy. No, my guess would be Miggy. Nope. Oh. Now I'm I'm
2: I'm questioning myself. I'm going to go back and look. I believe it was Justin <laughs> Verlander. I believe it was oh, Justin Verlander. He had a scorching line. Dra- it was their pitcher. Now I'm going to go check it. I believe it was Verlander <laughs> that started that. I'm, I'm going to check it right now, and I'm going to have it for you here in about 30 seconds. I, it was their pitcher, and I think it was Verlander that last game. Here we go. Schedule and results. Let's go to the last game of the season in 2013 on the <laughs> no-hitter. Here it is. Um, the box score. But I'm just going to triple-check this. There we go, Verlander. It was Verlander. Wow. Well, I vividly remember it. he hit a ball foul by about a foot down the right field line, and it was that the old, that was the closest the Tigers came that day. They were going to the postseason. They were like, "Let's go, let's keep <laughs> it moving. We don't really care. Let's get the season over with because we're postseason bound." It was Verlander who almost had the lone hit in that game. That what really
0: was Verlander are. doing starting the game then? If they've got a playoff series coming right up after that,
2: probably had a few days off, and it was lined up well. Back then, though, in 2013, they had options to start those games. Yeah, yeah. That Max was Scherzer
0: shame. and Justin Verlander. We know how that turned out last year, as my Mets know really well. Yeah. But
2: <laughs> they had they had Anibal Sanchez, Doug Fister, Rick Porcello, Scherzer, Verlander. looks let's, let's look up. Uh, now we're really off the rails here, boys and girls. But <laughs> we're
1: 2013, the
2: 2013 Detroit Tigers when they went to the postseason. Sky. I'm gonna I'm gonna look at this now. I wonder who started game one for them. This is the division series they beat the athletics. Let's see who pitched game one of the American League division. This is good this is good podcasting right here. Is this <laughs> when the was... A's walked
1: off? I'm pretty sure it's the year the A's walked off the Royals, right? Or was it the vice versa? Did the Royals walk off the A's the year after?
0: That was the Royals walked off the A's in the 2014 wild card game. Okay,
1: no, so I just have it backwards.
2: Game one. Uh, hold on. It was Scherzer. Scherzer started game one. So there you go. Yeah, that's why Verlander started the final game at the 2013 regular season.
1: Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, Max Scherzer. There you go. What a matchup. That's...
0: Well, there's a good Bartolo Miami Stadium or whatever. We call it Marlins Park when he flipped, that, it flipped it behind his back, back. and got
2: Justin Bour out. Mm-hmm. He- <laughs> yeah, Love I'll never one. forget that either. That's a good one. That's a good one
1: for Perfect. Dylan I remember when I was little I would always go to um my grandparents and their best friends like my grandparents didn't really care about baseball but their best friends were Mets fans so I remember mm-hmm. like the annual thing would be Mets Marlins if they like during the summer if they were in if they were in Miami it'd be us going I remember the Mets there was like a couple teams, the Mets obviously the Yankees but it's like the big teams that always get packed and always be like why does this get packed for Mets games? No one cares about the Mets because my brother is a Yankee fan. And I, just, I was always so confused, but then the guys, they get older. I realize it's a New York I team. Know.
2: That's the it's weird a- place about the Miami market. You know, growing up down here, there's so many transplants. And people are exactly. like, always like, why, why do all the Mets fans show up to the games or the Yankee fans or the Red Sox fans or the Phillies fans? Well, they're all down here getting warmer weather, like Miami out, yep. outside of that, like real Hispanic population and people that, you know, immigrated and they've been here and it's generations of families, a lot of the rest of the population has floated from the northeast and they're just here. It, it, it it's really hard as a sports fan to get people to love another team because you're so connected to something else. But you know, it's 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 a great city. And I know it it probably has its faults and you can you can bang it for a lot of different things, but um you got all your professional sports teams and at one point or another they've all been good and uh Find Me a better place to be than Miami, especially this time of hey, year. But you guys are cold up there. Oh, yeah,
1: we... die. That's what's important. There you go. Exactly.
0: Nico's enjoying the nice 28 degrees we have in DC right now today, I'm yeah, sure. Man. Terrible. 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 Wow. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> I love it because it's not as cold as New York, but it's still kind of a little cold
2: for my comfort. I but... hear you. Cherry I Blossoms know. will be out soon. Set your eyes on the prize. Exactly.
1: <laughs> <It's> <laughs> that back is back.
0: true. And then it's baseball season. And then we're back to the regular exactly. cycle of the day and day grind. But we know we've got three fun questions to throw at you here as we begin to wrap up. We don't know how much time you have for us, but we got some three tangential to baseball hard hitting questions for you. Okay, let's do it. Uh, the Mount Rushmore of broadcasters. That is a very open ended. We can consider it down to baseball if you'd rather do that. But
2: so how many uh oh, okay. All right, let's it's do four. let's let's do baseball. Mm-hmm. How many do I have to give you? Four in total. All right, Mount Rushmore, there's four faces. I just wanted to triple check that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, so I think you'd have to start with guys like Red Barber, Vin Scully. Of course. I'm going to throw an interesting one out there because I loved watching him growing up on Sunday Night Baseball, John Miller. It's just one of the most unique, amazing voices to me. You put Harry Carey in there. Is he four? Is he four? Right. Is that... Is Maybe it's Harry. Gosh, I'm missing so I'm, I'm missing so many people. It's yeah. Unfair. I mean,
1: there's so many good out. You can't go wrong.
2: Well, that's four unique ones for me. Like you know, yeah. you really throw it back to you know the golden age of baseball on the radio, Red Barber and Vince Scully, and then for me personally, just growing up watching John Miller and Joe Morgan on Sunday Night Baseball. I can still hear that theme music when they went to the ballpark and the camera would fly into the stadium. And (laughs) I remember what I most vividly remember, like the heydays of those Yankees Red Sox and those fights on Sunday Night Baseball. And it was John Miller and Joe Morgan. Um, Who did I say the fourth? Harry Carey. That's probably – it's a decent four. I don't think I'm going to get banged too hard for those four.
1: No, absolutely not. My favorite – like you said, my favorite picture, like of all time, I have it plastered in my room, is Jason Veritek stuffing a rod with his glove as a fight yes there stuff. you go <laughs> oh all-time favorite photo i have it like big on my wall in miami uh second question we got for you and we've kind of been asking everyone this and just getting you guys's opinion where's shohei otani ending up in your opinion you got to pick a team where's he going
0: marlins 500 million dollars
1: <laughs> don't cry
2: <laughs> i'm gonna throw you a wild card i you think like it's that. the chicago cubs
0: The sneaky one. I like it. Show Congo, We can get that. Did you
2: imagine him with those bleacher creatures in June and July and those people just sucking down beers at one in the
1: afternoon and (laughs) Shohei hitting bombs at Wrigley Field? You get like the the SEC like beer, like Chuck, that with (laughs) that bro, Tony goes, love it. That's an amazing pick. Yeah. Especially with like, now it seems like they're going to push it like with Craig Council and like they want to kind of make a push for the playoffs and a ring. I'd it's open nice up trip.
2: that checkbook. I'd say, "What do you want? Here you go." Come to Chicago. Absolutely.
0: It's going to be a lot. I just did think of, by the way, because you mentioned iconic baseball moments, and this might be the guy for our generation. As much as hate he gets,
2: Joe Buck could be on the Mount Rushmore. Because I love Joe for,
0: for he, twenty-five he,
2: years. He's he is great amazing announcer. He is so amazing. I think his ability to broadcast is amazing and people like crush him because he doesn't talk enough but he lets the game come to the people joe buck is amazing he he could absolutely be on there i love him he might be my favorite current broadcaster nationally
0: i like it and then the last question we have for you i'm not sure if you saw this one coming but we asked this question to paul at the end of the episode and he okay. immediately said kyle i don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing that your mind your name immediately came to his mind but he was on it instantaneously but if you'd like to continue the train of who would you like to shout out for the next
2: episode? For the next episode. God, there's so many good options. Oh, come on, guys. You're killing me. <laughs> um, you know, because it's actually kind of close to you guys. Have you chatted with Dave Jagler? We have not. Or Charlie Slows, no. the we National's radio team. Two good options you know? for you. I like it. It's good
0: absolutely
2: so yeah, it's in your backyard those that, that a couple good options right there
0: 100 let's right. get on it nico
1: yeah i mean i'm down
0: absolutely well we've had a blast on this conversation i know nico already texted me i'd want to skip my next class but nico we're going to be a little studious here we're not going to let you skip your 315 class but we really appreciate you hopping on the podcast
1: just help you want to be a bad student on the podcast thank you my mom listens to this nice
0: all right oops that's on me (laughs) sorry mrs fernandez but we've had a blast on this interview it's been so much fun fingers crossed if you ever want to join us again the door is always open or i guess it's called the zoom room is always open at this point. i'll see you next
2: week guys thanks for having me on (laughs) i'm
0: down (laughs) i love it but for dylan nico and kyle this has been a blast and the side is retired